Hello and welcome to the Financial Classroom with Will, Tim, and Jules, where three friends believe that the American dream is built by living within your means. Listen as we discuss how to build wealth, live frugally, and attack life with a financial plan. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Financial Classroom. Today we got a chance to speak to Liz, who is a social media influencer. She was great to talk to. We talked about side hustles and ways that you can start a side hustle and how we can go from a side hustle and turning it potentially into our main job. Yeah, it was really awesome talking to her. I loved that through the whole conversation, it just kept coming back to just do it. Don't get stuck in your mind and just go for it. No matter what, no matter where you are, find what you're good at. And yeah, it was really inspiring. So I'm really looking forward to everyone listening to this episode. Yeah, I mean, Liz is great. She's just such a go-getter. She's got her own TikTok. She's got her own website, Instagram. And you can follow her at Ambitious Adulting on TikTok and Instagram. And she's just somebody with so many different goals and ideas, but they don't just live in her head. She actually goes ahead and does them. Mm-hmm. She's started two of her own companies. They started as side hustles and kind of turned into her full-time work. And we just had a great conversation with her and we look forward to sharing it with you today. Yeah, guys. And before we start the episode here, I just want to talk about how important it is, I guess, to us that if you guys can help us by leaving a review on our podcast platform, mainly Apple Podcasts or iTunes. And I just want to share a review that was submitted by one of our listeners. And it's just super cool to get feedback like that. And so this listener left a review and wrote that being back on the road, I like to listen to podcasts. I'm seriously enjoying a certain one called the financial classroom. Their six figure millennial segment is so interesting and intriguing. They talk to your average people from all walks of life and careers slash jobs that have seemingly reached the impossible, but it is not impossible. They give all sorts of advice, tips and tricks. They talk in layman terms and it's easy to understand. I also love that they talk to people that are around the same age as me. So I feel it's more applicable and obtainable. Things like this, it's super encouraging for us, whether if you maybe really dislike us and you want to leave us even a, <laughs> a, a critic review, like- No, anything, don't do that. <laughs> you know what? Anything is great because it yeah. gives, gives us feedback and it helps yeah. us improve this podcast. And Jules, Tim, and I have had a wonderful time making these podcasts. And we've had people who reach out for financial questions or f- reach out to ask for help. And it's super encouraging to see that, to see that, this podcast is changing and it's growing an audience. It's making a difference. And so if you're out there, leave a review, give us an email and it's just anything is appreciated. So with that being said, here is episode 17. Welcome to the show today, Liz. I'm excited. Thanks so much for having me guys and girl. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks Liz. It's great to have you. Can we just start off by asking you, to tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your story, how you came to be doing what you're doing right now, and tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's such a weird journey. I moved to Canada when I was five with my family, and, you know, most immigrants don't really know exactly what's happening when they move to another country. My mom didn't speak English, and we just had to do a lot of navigating and learning on our own. So. That comes with challenges, but it all worked out and everything is great. But part of that was not knowing when we were going to university, like how to apply for school, how to get scholarships, how to even pay for it. And it caused me a lot of stress when I realized that I had no 
money to pay for tuition and just seeing how expensive it was. I have no idea how people even have $5,000 for tuition at the time or Mm $7,000. So that caused me a lot of stress and anxiety and it made me really realize that I was not paying attention to my finances and I couldn't really rely on my parents to pay for my stuff. So I really hunkered down and applied for a bunch of scholarships. And so luckily I was able to pay for my first year of tuition through scholarships. And then also I started working full-time while I was in school full-time to pay my way through school. So by the end, I did graduate debt-free. So from having pretty much no money at the beginning of university and then graduating with money in the bank account, I just really hustled for those four years and it skyrocketed my finances because I was able to graduate without debt. And then also I dove super deep into personal finances because I'm like, okay, I got to learn. This is a crash course. And I felt like I was catching up. Everybody else seemed like they had a system in place or support, but I was starting from zero and I just went like a sprint. I'm like, okay, I'm coming. I'm going to catch up. And then I just kept that momentum going. And yeah, that's kind of how I got into personal finances, mostly because I needed to learn how to make money really quickly. I also started learning how to invest. So I'm like, okay, hopefully this pans out. And at the time that was like 2008, 2009. So I was starting to invest right after the housing crisis. And it was like a good time. Like it's always a good time to invest, but especially then I kind of got lucky with the timing. And so I just rode that wave up and I've been riding the wave up ever since. That's awesome, Liz. What did you go to school for? Yeah, so I actually applied for, I think it was English and linguistics. And then I switched degrees three times. So it took me five years to complete my three-year geography degree because I just kept traveling and switching degrees and I had no clue what I wanted to do. So yeah, long story short, I graduated with a geography degree. And then from there, how did you end up doing what you're doing now? It doesn't sound like geography. No, I know. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people don't use their degrees. I'm I'm 100% (laughs) self-employed now, but it kind of all makes sense looking back. But my first job was an internship with the city of Hamilton, so the municipality. And I was doing, essentially it was marketing. So promoting like the recycling and the green bin program and getting people on board. So I kind of learned about blogging. And at the time we were using like Instagram and I think Facebook to promote recycling Mm -hmm. and nobody else in the department wanted to do it. And I was like, okay, I can do it. It doesn't seem that hard. So that was at the beginning of how to use blogs and SEOs for businesses and how to do like Twitter marketing and Facebook marketing. And then from there, I started my own side hustle doing social media marketing. And then from there, I grew that big enough to quit my government job. And then it all kind of gave me the skills that I needed to start my second business, which is Ambitious Adulting, which was more about explaining and simplifying personal finances for people because I had a blog on the side and that just grew. And I'm like, okay, I have the skills to be able to do both of these businesses Mm -hmm. and be successful in it. But it all happened because of that initial internship with my geography degree. Liz, I love that because you went from your full-time job to doing something that you're passionate about on the side, like as a side hustle. And then you eventually quit your full-time job and then turn your side hustle into your main job, which is kind of cool to think about. Yeah. And I didn't hate my job. Like I think a lot of times people think you have to hate your job to start a side hustle. And that's not the case. I was so happy 
with stability and having a government job. And I'm like, oh, after so much instability, switching degrees all the time, having that was good, but there is so much more potential for myself being self-employed and it just was a better path for me. I guess your side hustle is now your main job, but you have two businesses, correct? Is what you're saying? Like two different. So my first one, my first business was Shoutouts Hamilton, which was social media management. I don't really do that anymore. It turned more into side hustle consulting and then ambitious adulting. So yeah, it was like two (laughs) side hustles, but they all kind of fall under my skill set. So do you have another side hustle now on top of your current main job, which was a side hustle, if you understand what I'm asking? (laughs) Yeah. So my two main ways I make money is through Shadows Hamilton, which is social media consulting. And then Ambitious Adulting, which is my personal finance stream, which is coaching and online courses and influencing the world, I guess. So sponsorship. So obviously running your own business, it's a lot of work, takes all of your time, really, especially getting it off the ground. So for yourself, starting up both these businesses, what was kind of your why behind them? Like, what was the reason that you got up in the morning and said, yeah, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to start my own business. Why do I put probably 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, some days into this business? Yeah, definitely. The beginning was I was working so much and I have no regrets about that because at the time I was single, I didn't have any kids and I felt like I had a lot of time on my hands. So I'm like, why wouldn't I use this time to try to make more money? So my why at the beginning was really to stop living paycheck to paycheck. So I had an entry level job and, you know, I had a good life and I didn't have debt, so it was fine, but I just felt like I wasn't saving a lot. And the way I was projecting, like if I ever want to buy a house or keep traveling, I'm like, dang, it's going to take forever. And I realized really early on to get ahead financially, you have to either increase your income or decrease your expenses. And I didn't feel like decreasing my expenses anymore because I had already done that. I was already a broke student. I was already not a well-off immigrant. Like I don't want to keep living a life where I have to constantly eat beans and rice and Mr. Noodles. I want to level up. So I started focusing more on increasing my income. So that was my initial why. I was living off of my salary and then saving everything from my side hustle. So I'm going to put my the perspective of our listeners here. And let's say we're sitting here kind of in the same position that you were in before thinking like, okay, I need to make more money. I don't know how to do it. What would you suggest to someone like that? Like, where do you start? I think the easiest way to start a side hustle is to monetize your skills you already have. So I didn't have like a marketing background or degree, but I had experience doing marketing. And how I started my first business, shout out to Hamilton, was I went into a restaurant and I saw like a good deed. Someone had come back and they're like, oh, hey, my wife forgot to pay her bail yesterday. So I'm coming back. And I was like, oh, I want to give these people a shout out. And then I was like, I want to tag the restaurant so that people know that this good deed happened. And then I asked the restaurant, what's your social media handle? They're like, oh, we don't have social media. Like, it's too hard. It's too complicated. We don't have someone who runs it for us. And that was a major light bulb moment. I'm like, it's not that hard. You just post a picture of your food and call it a day and like retweet when other people post a picture of your food. So then I went home and I started thinking about it. I was like, I wonder how many small business owners think it's too hard 
to manage their own social media accounts or like don't have someone on their team who either has time or wants to learn. So I sat on that idea for a bit and then I was like, I'm pretty sure I can do that. I don't think it's that hard. So I was going to places and I was like, you want me to run your social media account? I'll do it for like 300 bucks. And that's how it started. So it was just something that I thought was easy that other people wouldn't have thought it was easy. And that's, I think, the easiest way to start a side hustle. What would be easy for you that someone might pay for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing that I'm just kind of picking up from this too is that with both of the side hustles that you started, Ambitious Adulting and Shout Out to Hamilton, you didn't have a degree in either area. No. But there were still things that you knew about, things that you were passionate about. So it doesn't even necessarily need to be something that you have a university degree in. And I think we're learning more and more nowadays that university degree or college degree isn't necessarily the be all end all. But in starting a side hustle, starting a business, what I'm picking up from this is that if it's something you're passionate about, that's a great place to start. If it's something you're passionate about that you know things about as well, obviously. Well, it's ironic because I have a university degree in geography. And if somebody were to hire me now, I don't even remember what I learned. Like GIS, (laughs) even though I have certifications in it, I wouldn't know what to do just because I have a degree. I'm like, I have no idea how to make a map anymore. I haven't used those skills. And I also don't feel like relearning them. Yeah. Um, Also, transportation logistics. I don't remember how to do that either. So just because I have a degree doesn't mean that I would be good at it. Yeah. And Liz, to piggyback what both you and Tim were saying, like, it's really about your passion. Like for us to even just to even go back, like when Tim and I first started this podcast, it's really just because we were passionate about finances and even like helping others about finances. So I think a lot of people out there, even listeners out there, if you feel like you're stuck and you can't find a side hustle to do, or even a hobby to keep you busy and things to do, like step out of your comfort zone and find something that you're really passionate about. Like if it's woodwork, then start selling some of your woodwork stuff, like start from the ground up and you'll get there. And for example, what you said there, you went to restaurants and asked them if they needed help with their social media, like that's stepping out of your comfort zone and going out and seeking other people's approval kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I made business cards and like little postcards and I had this vision that I was going to hand them out. And then I was too scared. I was like, that's so embarrassing. What if no one calls me? And so I sat on them. I still have them. And that was like five years ago. Actually, my first client I posted on my social media, I was like, hey, everyone, I'm going to start running social media accounts. The audacity that I had. I was like, who cares? I'm just going to post this. And then somebody knew somebody who's like, my friend owns a restaurant and doesn't know how to do anything. So I did get some clients through word of mouth and through friend referrals, but I did walk into other places and get clients that way. But it wasn't, yeah, it's, it's very uncomfortable to step out of your comfort zone because everybody is scared of rejection, but Mm -hmm. embrace it. Yeah. Like, I love that because it's true. You have to be uncomfortable to grow. And when you started, did you have a goal of like making six figures or was it just, I'm just going to get one client at a time? I guess some people, I think, overcomplicate it. And the goal can be so astronomical where it's like, oh, I'll never achieve that. And then don't try. Or was that you? What was your goal at the time? Everyone always says, like, make smart goals, smart. I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. Just try and like see what happens. (laughs) I never wrote down a business plan. I never did any sort of fancy. I think sometimes you can over plan and get caught up with Mm -hmm. the logistics. 
And I do side hustle coaching now because people are like, oh, do I need this? Do I need that? I'm like, yeah, eventually. Like I didn't get my first contract, the official contract for like six months. And then I legitimized it with a lawyer like a year later. Before that, I was just like, you want my services? Okay, great. I'll start tomorrow. Like it was just super (laughs) informal. And even like my payment processing, like was just so disorganized. My bookkeeping was so disorganized and I didn't really care. I was like, whatever, I'll figure this out eventually. Even now, like I'm still upgrading my processes to streamline things, but I think people get really caught up on how am I going to invoice and do I need an accountant? Just focus on getting a client. Step one, get a damn client and then like work on all your other behind the scenes because otherwise you're just going to put more roadblocks up for yourself. That's so refreshing to hear because you're right. You always hear, have a business plan, like have your vision board up on the wall. And it's, I think you're right. People can spend so much time cutting out pictures out of magazines and putting them on the vision board. And or it's like, no, just get started. Yeah. I mean, for ambitious adulting, because I had three years of experience running a business, there's just some things that I wouldn't have done. Now I take payment up front because one of my main pitfalls with Shoutouts Hamilton was chasing clients for payment. I was like, never again. Like, you want to work with me? 50% up front, 50% in the middle, and we'll talk. So things like that, I upgraded and changed. But yeah, you'll learn as you go. So Liz, I actually just had a conversation with a good friend the other day who was talking about how he was trying to find a side hustle to do, but he's really struggling with trying to find a side hustle or like understanding what is the best fit. So what do you say to someone like that, or someone who doesn't know what exactly what their specific passion is yet to maybe start a side hustle, or do you just go deliver food or go work part-time somewhere else? Or how does that look like? See, I don't consider delivering food or working for another corporation, a side hustle. Like to me, that's a part-time job that you picked up on the side, but I think that's just a little differentiation because you don't really think of a business plan if you're signing up to be like a delivery person. You just, you have jobs laid out to you. Yeah. What would you say to someone who wants a side hustle, but doesn't really have a plan or know specifically what kind of side hustle to start? Yeah. Then I'd be like, look into a side gig. So that's like something that's already pre-established, but if they want to put in the work to start their own business, I'm super biased and don't really like product-based businesses. I really like service-based businesses and especially online businesses. Like my businesses grew during the pandemic and I didn't change anything about my life really because I've been working from home. I didn't have inventory. I don't have to pay rent at a location. So that's one thing to consider. Like, do you want low overhead costs? Look into a skill or look into some sort of service that you can provide. Or if you're like, I'm super, super passionate about baking cookies, that's great. (laughs) Just realize that there's more overhead costs and Mm. you have to sell way more product. So selling like $10 units, you have to have a huge volume. So I like to kind of figure out the math a little bit to weed things out because you could be super passionate about woodworking, but how much time is it going to take to make a little... I don't even know what you make out of wood, like (laughs) everything, like, you know, like the time, the energy, and then you got to build out your client base. So 
I like to kind of write down like how much money do I want to make? And then how many units would I have to sell or how many services would I have to sell at what price? And then that kind of gives you a bit of a realistic expectation. It's like, okay, let me readjust this idea. And you can be in the idea ideation phase for a while until you kind of find one that checks off all your criteria. Like, do I like this? Am I passionate about this? Can I build an audience around this? Who's my customer base? And is this profitable or is it going to be an expensive hobby? Right. And I think too, you want to look at whatever side hustle you're going to start. And maybe it's something you're passionate about right now, but look at it and say, is this something that I can do for 10 hours, 20 hours, 30 hours, 40 hours, and and still be passionate about it? I'm just laughing because sometimes when we're editing this podcast, I'm like, <laughs> man, can I keep doing this? Just get I love what we do, but that's the part. Like Liz, I'm sure you have it too, where there's stuff that you dislike kind of thing about it. Yeah, I have a really short attention span. I don't know if people can pick up on that since I'm all <laughs> over the place, but I feel like in my life, I only do things for three years in three-year chunks. Even in relationships prior to the one I'm in now, that's more than three years. I only did like three years. I'm like, hey, I'm done. (laughs) And then my degree was three years. I worked in government, two different places for three years. Shout out to Hamilton. I kind of moved away from to do more of ambitious adulting. So I think it's okay to not stick with something if you don't want to. And that's part of my philosophies with life. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to start a whole new business with what I'm excited about. So yeah, it's it's refreshing to hear that because we're all probably around the same age right now. And our parents with what our parents told you, you know, you pick a career and you stick with that until you retire. And so much has changed since I do not understand that thinking. I could never do that. That's wild to me. I'm like, how? I change so much and I grow and I learn and I want to try new things. So yeah, that's wild to me. Hey guys, are you tired of having money in your savings account and collecting minimal interest? Yeah, you got anything that you can suggest? As a matter of fact, I do. EQ's Bank Savings Plus account has an everyday interest rate of 1.5%, a perfect place to keep your emergency fund without the risk and guarantee return. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I heard they also have the flexibility of a checking account for everyday banking, such as paying for bills and transferring money. That's right, Tim. And to top it all off, EQ Bank offers free transfers and free transactions when you need to move your money around. Sign up today with EQ Banks using the link found in the show notes and on our social media bios. So are there any common mistakes that you see people making when they start a side hustle? Any common pitfalls that people make when starting out? So many weird things that people do, mostly with finances. People don't save their taxes. They don't save for HST or that's in Ontario. And I'm like, I just pretend that money's not even mine. I automatically take away 30% of every kind of invoice and then put it in another bank account. And then I know that it feels really shitty like to take a big hit at the end of the year and I file quarterly to kind of help me not you know, just drain all my bank accounts by paying all my taxes off. But I know business owners who haven't paid taxes in years. And I'm like, why don't you just pre-plan this properly? So yeah, right off the bat, like even if you're only making, you know, a little bit, 
just get in the habit of putting money aside for taxes because it's so much worse to get in trouble because you did it wrong. That's one thing. And then I think another thing, I heard the weirdest thing from someone. They're like, oh, I like to keep my income below $29,000 so that I don't have to file for an HST number. <laughs> what? And then, yeah. And then I don't have to do all the extra paperwork. And I'm like, why would you limit yourself to that <laughs> amount? Um, okay. That's an interesting perspective because they didn't want to like deal with the logistics of the paperwork. They're selling themselves so short. Yeah. So just like some strange limiting beliefs that I have seen in my time. I know some people will actually kind of take the strategy right up front where you sign up for GST or HST right up front, because with some of those initial expenses, whether it's a computer or some big piece of equipment, then you can claim that GST, HST credit right up front and instead of missing out on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think like there are a lot of these like little hacks and tricks and like things to know, which can stress people out because they're like, I don't know what to do. This is so confusing. So if you can ask other business owners, and I mean, I don't often know what I'm doing, but I, it's worked out for five years. So here we are, but I also have an accountant and I also work with a lawyer now. And so I figured it out and fixed things that I've done wrong. I also realized I was charging wrong because I do have American clients and I was charging everyone HST and Americans don't need to pay that. So I'm like, oh, sorry. (laughs) 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 Now I have a system that tells me and then also across provinces because my services, I work with Canadians across Canada and not every province has an HST. So I didn't know these like little details. And now I know, but you kind of just learn as you go. There's no way you're going to know everything right away. So Liz, obviously everyone is not Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. Like not everyone is an entrepreneur. So what do you have for recommendation or tips for somebody who is doesn't think of themselves as an entrepreneur, but wants to start a business or a side hustle off the side? Yeah, I don't think a lot of us think of ourselves as entrepreneurs because we're not really taught that that's an option. I always thought I would be a great government worker and I really liked structure. And then I got there and I was like, wow, the bureaucracy and red tape and inefficiency is out of control in this place. I think it's recognizing like it's totally fine if you're not an entrepreneur. And I have friends who are like, I could never do that. I could never work from home. Because you need to be driven, you need to have direction, you need to have certain skills to be a successful entrepreneur. And if you don't have them, you either have to learn them or just acknowledge maybe this isn't the path for me. But if you're like, no, I'm definitely a go-getter, I'm motivated, I'm self-starting, I guess, then go for it. Like try something and just know that you are your own cheerleader. Like when you're starting a side hustle, like you're the only one cheering for yourself. I wanted to ask you about, you just mentioned if you're motivated, I want to ask you about motivation because it's really busy right now too. Like in social media and Instagram, you always see these posts about motivation and just doing it. And how do you feel about motivation and does it come and go? And what do you do when you don't feel motivated? How do you navigate that? Oh yeah. I don't always wake up motivated. I actually think I have 
I don't want to say it's mania, but I definitely go through phases where I'm like uber motivated for like weeks at a time. I'm so hyped. I have this amazing idea and I'm launching and like I'm not sleeping because I'm super, super excited. Definitely at the beginning, that's how it was. I've learned to manage that because I'm like, this is so unsustainable because then I would crash. And then I'm like, I had a great launch. Everything was good. And then I don't want to put in the work because I am tired. So it was very high highs and very high lows or low lows. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning how to kind of manage my motivation to give me spurts when I need it and not to jam pack them. So I think I'm still learning, but everyone's motivated by different things. And during the pandemic, my motivation went so low because I'm just, I don't want to be online. I don't want to see what's happening in the world. Don't really feel like dealing with trolls today. It was just long days and weeks at a time where I wouldn't even log online and just tap out because I'm not motivated to face the world. So I think we all felt that a little bit. And it's hard when you are self-employed and I need to be online to be profitable and to make money. That's literally, I run online businesses. So it's all correlated. Yeah. Well, it's cool to hear. Like, I feel like you're very refreshing to talk to you because you're real, you know, and you're like, I don't have it all together, but I'm doing it. And, you know, I love that you said when I don't feel motivated, I have to push myself or I just don't go online and I'm willing to take you know, you kind of weigh the pros and cons and you were willing to take the hit, but you're not perfect and you don't have to be perfect to run your own business. And I find that's what I'm getting from you. And I really enjoy that. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, the other thing too, with being six months pregnant, like some days I'm feeling like normal, like not even good, just functional. And then other days I'm like, well, today's a write-off because I didn't sleep or whatever pregnancy symptoms. And then I'm just, I'm not going to push myself. This isn't worth my friend had a really great reminder to me once and she was like you work so you can live a good life if you're not enjoying your life and you're not living a good life like what's the point of you putting in all that work so I always kind of try to remind myself that I'm not gonna be miserable and push myself to work that's counterintuitive I know that I'm gonna have a good day eventually and then I'll just like wait for things to pile up so that I can tackle it when I have a good day yeah so Liz this might be not applicable to everyone, but as you mentioned, you were six months pregnant, but like your schedule is all over the place. So for shift workers out there, so I'm in law enforcement. I work shift work, day shift, night shift, all over the place, weekends. How do you manage a side hustle for someone whose schedule is never set? How do you manage that? Or can people who work shift work have a side hustle? I'm sure they can. I've never had shift work, so I can't speak on personal experience. But I know that when I was starting my businesses, I was very diligent and dedicated to be like, I'm going to put in an hour a day minimum. And I kind of always relate it to like fitness. Like if you are hardcore into fitness, even if you're a shift worker, you somehow find time to work out. Yeah. So it's all about priorities. If your side hustle is going to be your priority, then you will find the time you either stop watching TV or you stop going to the gym or whatever. Like you have to take time away from something else that you were already doing. And for me, like I never went to the gym. So instead of, you know, people had time that they went to the gym instead of that, I used it to work on my side hustles. And I always thought people have kids and people have responsibilities and I didn't have any of that. So I'm like, I have lots of time. So a common saying these days is to know your worth 
And I feel like that applies so much to someone who's an entrepreneur who's starting a side hustle is to be able to, yeah, just know your value, know what you bring to the table. But at the same time, it's common for friends or family to be like, oh yeah, you know, give me a discount. And you're just like, you know, I'm just starting up. I'm trying to grow this. Should I give them a discount just so I have more clientele? Should I say, no, I'm going to charge them full price. How do you approach that? And what are your thoughts on that kind of thing? I think I'm just getting comfortable with my worth, especially for ambitious adulting, especially for when working with big brands, like I've worked with well, simple and mocha and a whole bunch of kind of bigger brands. And I'm like, listen, I know you have money. I'm not going to just do things for like 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever, you know? So I'm more confident now, but at the beginning, I was definitely undercharging for social media management, like by a lot. Part of that was my strategy. Cause I'm like, I want to work with small business owners who don't have a big budget. And that's how I'm going to get clients who don't require me to have like a degree and training and a ton of experience. Like you kind of get what you pay for. And they paid for like the budget version of a social media manager. So I was okay with that knowing I wasn't making a ton of money at the beginning, but to me, like I just thought about it as an internship. And as I got more comfortable, I started charging more. And my brother taught me about this thing called the blink test. Like in negotiation, you say a bunch of numbers until someone starts blinking. And so it's kind of like a litmus test to be like, okay, you're getting to the point where you're getting uncomfortable. So try this. <laughs> yeah. So I tried that with new clients. I would just give them a new number. And then if I didn't hear back, I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm at the threshold. So let me go back to a lower number. And that's kind of how I got comfortable with my, what I should be charging. But I've never really had people ask me for discounts. I don't know. Maybe I have really good friends and family that wanted to support me, but I never had that problem. How do you get clientele now? You know, you mentioned like you have social media. Where do you get most of your clientele from? Yeah, so most of my clients come from Instagram. I would say 98%. And then 2% maybe come from referrals, like from a past client. Maybe a little bit more than that, actually. That's growing lately, which is really good because I'm like, okay, the products and the services I'm providing resonate with people and they're recommending me to their friends. But yeah, most of them is through Instagram. And I've gotten a few clients through TikTok, which I'm quite pleased with. I'm like, thank God this isn't a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously you started your side hustles as part-time gigs. Eventually you moved them into full-time gigs. How do you make that transition? And how do you know when you're ready to make that transition. Are there any kind of, you know, red flags to look out for or green lights you can watch for to say, oh yeah, you know, I'm okay to go. I'm going to go ahead and I guess mm -hmm. ax my day job and start this full time. Yeah, it was a two-parter for me. So I was making more money in my side hustles than my day job. So I was like, obviously I can support myself with my side hustles if I'm doing this part-time on the side. So that was one thing. The other thing is I saved up a year's salary because I'm like, what if I quit? And I don't know, for some reason, I thought like I can't make it, even though I already had clients. I was like, if I don't make any money for a year and like should hit the fan, like I have to support myself because I had a mortgage at that time as well. So that was another thing. And then the final kicker, I applied for a program 
that was supposed to offer mentorship. It was like a small business grant. And I was like, oh, I'll for sure get in. My business is viable. I have, I wrote a business plan for them and it started September 30th or something. So I was like, okay, I'll quit my job by then and do this mentorship program or like this course full time. But I didn't get accepted. They're like, this business model is so confusing and it won't work. And I'm like, uh, it's already working. But I had already set in my mind that that was the day I was going to quit. So I had three safety nets. One was I already had an income that was supporting mm-hmm. my lifestyle. I had a one year salary and I had this arbitrary deadline of overconfidence. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this program and I'll be fine. So those three things kind of pushed me even though I didn't get accepted. So that's another reminder that rejection happens all the time and you just move on. Liz, I absolutely love what you said there that regardless of how much you make off your side hustle, like it is so important to have some passion and to chase after it. And it's super cool that you did that and now you're successful at it and you're teaching other people at doing this. So we want to thank you so much. Before we end here, I just want to, bring up a game that we play with all our guests it's called break the piggy bank and so earlier you mentioned that you go to mexico every year is that correct i mean i try to go every year i do an international trip every year and i try to include mexico in cool so the game is basically you're taking a hammer and you're smashing your piggy bank and you're taking all the money from inside the piggy bank and if you were to spend all your money on your top five Latino foods or places to visit in Mexico, what would that be? Oh, places to visit. Well, I have family in Cancun, so I'd go there. Plus, you know, the beach is always just great. Is that number one? Yeah, Cancun. Food, I like semitas. Those are in Puebla, which is like another state. Oh, I've been to Puebla. Oh, yeah, yeah. My dad's from there, so... Yeah, I like it. Can you describe so, what the food is? like? Yeah, so semitas are essentially subs, but they have, and I'm a vegetarian, so I do like the ones without chicken, but they have like chicken, avocado, Oaxaca cheese, which is kind of like rubbery, salty cheese in like a good way, not like a gross rubber. And then the special thing about them is this like chipotle sauce that's sweet and it's so good. Like you cannot get that flavor anywhere else except for the markets of Puebla. You get the semita chipotles. So yeah, definitely go there and buy semitas. And they're like two bucks for like this gigantic <laughs> sub. It's amazing. And then I just like street food. Like just anywhere on the street, get some mesquites. Those are corn with, I like it with lemon and tahin. Literally just any street food. And don't worry about getting sick. That's part of the adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, just to cut you off there, Tim, before we started recording, Tim told you his parents live in Mexico. And he said, next time he goes, I should go too. Because you could get some large plate of food or a ton of food for like a buck or two bucks. It's crazy. So much food. I took my partner and he only got sick because he ate too much. Like, he was fine. (laughs) But I'm like... Stop trying to keep up with my family because they're used to it. But I'm like, that's why you got sick. But if you eat in moderation, you should be okay. <laughs> yeah, that's three. And then I don't know, add some more street food onto that. And <laughs> those are my five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's amazing. That's awesome. Liz, it's been such a pleasure to have you. I've been taking notes. And, you know, I think for a lot of our listeners out there who are thinking, okay, like I need to make more money. How am I going to do it? 
like I don't have a certain skill set or I don't feel entrepreneurial. I feel like everything that you've said tonight, you've kind of solidified that you don't have to have it all together and you just have to go and do it. Find a skill set that you have and bank on that and everything will fall into place as you go. And I think our listeners can really take a lot away from that and just not getting out of your own head, you know, and getting out of your own way. I always say, even with investing, because I just try to encourage everyone, like, just try something, like stop getting stuck in (laughs) fear. And just you go years without doing anything. Like if you have to just you open a robo advisor, it's the easiest thing you could do, you know, just take one step. And then you keep learning as you go. And that's the same with side hustling. And even for myself and Will, I mean, Will has talked about on a, I think a couple of episodes before where this was just kind of something that we came up with the idea and we didn't do months and months of research about it. We just kind of said, Hey, this is something we want to do. Let's figure out how we can do this. And then, you know, I think it was only a couple of weeks later, we just went ahead and did it. It's something that we could have sat around talking about, talking about, talking about, and then maybe three years down the road kind of been like, why didn't we do that? Or I wish we had done that. But yeah, it's just something that we said, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and do this. And yeah, this is where we're at now. And we've learned a lot along the way. And I think this is kind of the same thing for for a side hustle. I mean, obviously you want to be good at it to start out. (laughs) I mean, that's ideally, but even, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Like you guys went for it and I'm sure you're learning along the way, like a better platform or, you know, maybe these mics are better and you'll just figure it out as you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Liz, thank you so much for coming on today. You are so knowledgeable. I just want to give you one chance before we end here. What is a tip that you want to give someone who is trying to start out right now? The biggest tip that you can give, like one tip, key tip, who's starting a side hustle? It's like so vague and cliche, but I'm like, just start. Stop thinking about, oh, it'd be great to do this. It'd be great to do that. Okay, great. Now go do it. Like, <laughs> Awesome. So listeners out there, you heard what Liz said. If you're thinking about starting a side hustle, whether if it's being a mortgage broker or being (laughs) someone who is, like she said, wanting to invest, or if you want to start a podcast or start a YouTube channel or start an online business, just start. And Liz, you are, like I mentioned earlier, you're super knowledgeable in this area. You obviously have done extremely well for yourself doing a side hustle. You're able to quit your full-time job and now doing this full-time. So it's super cool to see someone like you succeed in this. And on behalf of the Financial Classroom, thank you so much for coming on. And we wish you all the best. And like always, thank you guys all for checking out. And you guys can leave a review on our various podcast platforms. That would be awesome. Thank you, guys. Until next time, take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more episodes and financial tips, check out our Facebook page, The Financial Classroom. And if you like this podcast, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review on our various podcast platforms. Later.